Welcome to Come Magnify the Lord with Me podcast hosted by Becky Dameron. Becky was saved at a young age and reared in a Christian home. At an early age, she sought for a special relationship, Jesus Christ. As her love for Jesus grew, so did her love for His Word. Becky has enjoyed leading ladies' Bible studies, speaking at ladies' conferences, and sharing the gospel with anyone willing to listen. We hope you have your Bible and are ready to dive into studying God's amazing book. We were right in the middle of Matthew 5, 8 as we finished up last time. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We read a lot of verses about what does it mean to be pure in heart. I read several commentaries on this verse, and I picked out one that I thought was helpful, and I'm going to read it here. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, not in the head, for men may have pure notions and impure hearts, not in the hand or action or in outward conversation only. So the Pharisees were outwardly righteous before men, but inwardly full of impurity. But in the heart, the heart of man is naturally unclean, nor is it in the power of man to make it clean or to be pure from his sin, nor is any man in this life in such sense so pure in heart as to be entirely free from sin. This only is true of Christ, the angels, or glorified saints. But such may be said to be so who, though they have sin dwelling in them, are justified from all sin by the righteousness of Christ and are clean through the word or sentence of justification pronounced upon them on the account of that righteousness whose iniquity are all of them forgiven and whose heart are sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, which cleanses from all sin and who have the grace of God wrought in their hearts, which though as yet imperfect, it is entirely pure. There is not the least spot or stain of sin in it. And such souls are they that are in love with, so they must earnestly desire after more purity of heart, lip, life, and conversation, and happy they are. So this is written in older English sounding words, and it's also written as a commentary, and that is, it just uh, drags on. I don't know if you've read commentaries, but they're not like books you pick up and read. But I thought it was so good to point out that our pureness of heart comes from Christ, and after He purifies our heart, then we have this desire for pure living. We are not perfect. We do have sin in our lives, but we have a a desire to have a pure heart because Christ gave us his righteousness. We have a desire then to live that out. The commentator continues and said, for they shall see God in this life, enjoying communion with him, both in private and public, in the several duties of religion, in the house and ordinances of God, where they often behold his beauty, see his power and his glory, and taste and know that he is good and gracious, and 
in the other world where they shall see God in Christ with the eyes of their understanding and God incarnate with the eyes of their bodies after the resurrection, which sight of Christ and God in Christ will be unspeakably glorious, desirable, delightful, and satisfying. It will be free from all darkness and error and from all interruption. It will be appropriating and transforming one and will last forever. So this future is what we look for, you know, when we say, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Right now, we see through a glass darkly, as later the Bible describes that, yet we can still have a wonderful relationship with God now. But someday, oh, it will be completely pure. We will see God because we will be with him. Revelation 22, 3 and 4 says, say, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him and they shall see his face and his name shall be in their forehead. My friend, Will you be there someday in heaven? I hope you will. If you know for sure that you are saved, are you seeking to live a pure life so that you can have a wonderful relationship with God here? That's what God desires. Yes, someday, praise God, those dim glasses will be put away and we will be, as Revelation says, right there at the throne of God and the lamb is going to be there. That's Jesus. And we will serve him. His servants shall serve him. And we we get to see him. But right now, we can have a relationship with him right now through a pure heart. We need to be ridding ourselves always of sin. Now, I don't live a defeated life as in, I can never get, do what's right. I'm always have sin. I know I I do, but I can live a victorious life because God gives me the power to do that. And I know also when I sin, I can confess it and forsake it. And God forgives me and I can have that pure relationship with God again. So we can have not only a future wonderful time with God, but we can have a time where we are in fellowship with God here. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, when I read this, I have to tell you that I have some background in seeing things in churches that don't seem to go along with this. And I think anybody listening in any church has seen where peacemaking is not always what people do. It's many times the opposite of what people do. People put themselves forward to um, get their way. I've heard, I've never seen this, but I've heard multiple times of people leaving a church because Uh, the carpet color that was picked was not what they wanted, and they just couldn't stand it. That's sad, folks, and I hate to say it, but the American church is not promoting peacemaking a lot of times. And I'm talking about American churches like multiples. I'm not saying just one. I've seen it all over in all different denominations. And sadly, that's not what Jesus promoted. Now, some people say, well, you know, Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but division. Well, that division 
is because of the gospel. It's not because we didn't get our way or something because we wanted something. And that's what I see people use that idea of division to get what they want, not over what Christ wants. We're going to read a lot of scripture about wanting and desiring peace. And I think you're going to see that people that are using that verse where Jesus talks about that way out of context to get what they want. So we have a lot of convicting verses here on being peacemakers. And uh, sadly, it's very much lacking in our society, peacemaking. So I want to read several verses here and we'll... um, talk about it after I read the verses. So Psalm 34, 12 says, What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. This is something we are commanded to do. You say, oh, that's Old Testament. Here's some New Testament. Of course, we were reading a New Testament, with Jesus saying, but Romans 12, 17 says, Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceable with all men, peaceably with all men. That's not what's happening all over the place. You see, even on Facebook and things, and I I don't have a problem with people edifying to good works, like, you know, saying something, and they're pushing people to do good works. You know, um, if somebody put on a post, are you witnessing for Christ today? You could have people get mad about that. Well, what are you saying? You know, or, you know, the the King James Bible is is the, the right translation for English speaking people, something like that. And people get mad about anything. I'm not talking about that, but there are ways that we're not living peaceably because we just want to get our own agenda that has nothing to do with the Bible out there. And we throw something out there and we're looking to uh, gain traction by discord. And that's not what the Bible tells us to do is as much as in us is, you know, think about that. When you have a disagreement with somebody in your church, think, what can I do to make peace happen? Now, I know it's hard sometimes with ladies. I understand that. Um, My husband was a pastor of a, a quite large church, and I can say with from the bottom of my heart, I tried to do everything I could to leave, live peaceably with every woman in that church, but sometimes it didn't happen. It seemed like the more I tried, the more there was a conflict with some ladies. Uh, come to find out later, they had a problem. They were upset about something. I don't know what. So, so I'm not saying that there's always a result of peace, but we should always endeavor. And in this, I'm not saying I was perfect or said what was right in all situations. Absolutely not. There was many times I had to go apologize. I had to make things right because I thought something was funny and nobody else thought was funny. You know, that can happen. But we always should be endeavoring to keep the peace as much as in us is. That's what our goal is. And that's what here we read in Romans. It's saying Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. So this is Paul talking and he's in prison. Beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where ye are called, wherewith ye are called. Some people say, oh, once you're saved, you know, you're sealed. There's no worries. No, once we're saved, we're supposed to walk worthy 
of that vocation. We were called the sons of God. Now we need to walk worthy of that. You know, I don't live in defeat because I am striving to walk worthy of God. Some people say, oh, you're living a legal legalistic life because you just follow rules. I don't follow all kinds of rules. I look at the Bible and say, wow, look at what God did for me. I want to walk worthy of that. Now, how do we walk worthy of it? It says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So sometimes we think walking worthy is looking a certain way, uh, always being at church, and that's true. There, that is an a- aspect of walking worthy. We're, if we when we go through Ephesians, we're going to see Paul gives them really practical things of walking worthy. But right here, right there, how do we walk worthy? By lowliness and meekness. You know, that's the best way to have peace. To be a peacemaker is being meek, long-suffering. You know, long-suffering means suffering long. Like, putting up with somebody a long time, and you're the one that suffers. That's not something we like in America. We don't want to suffer long. Forbearing one another, that's what keeps peace. Endeavoring, we're trying every way to keep the peace. Do you have a conflict with a lady in your church? Then go to them and say, I want to not have a conflict with you. I love you in the Lord. What can I do to make things better? How can I help you? And if she says stuff about you that's not true, that you know is not true, I say, I'm sorry if I came across that way. I never thought that. You don't have to argue back and say, no, I'm not like that. I didn't do that. No way. Sometimes we have to just be defrauded. And and it's hard. It's really hard. But remember when we talked way back in Genesis about who sees? God sees. And he is the righteous judge, and we leave that with God. Am I good at this all the time? Oh, no. I struggle with this plenty. And it's not something that's easy to do. Galatians, I'm sorry, Colossians 3.13 says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That's the peacemaker. That's how peacemaking happens. I have another passage to read from a commentary. It says, Blessed are the peacemaker. Those who strive to prevent contention, strife, and war, who use their influence to reconcile opposing pod parties. Wow, that is strong. They, they strive. What are they striving for? Not for a conflict. They strive to prevent conflict. They strive to prevent strife. They use their influence to reconcile people that are at odds with each other. And we should be doing that. The peacemaking is not always between us and another person. It can be between two fellow uh, Christian ladies. And maybe you're friends with one, and, and that one is constantly talking about the other one and poor mouthing them and you say what can we do to fix this how can how can i help you be reconciled to your dear sister in christ that's what we should be doing somebody who listens to the gossip who says wow i didn't know they were like that they're not peacemakers 
they're not helping and they're not joyously happy either. We're going to have to pause here right in the middle of this thought. We will pick up with this next time. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would go about striving to be peacemakers today. Help us to come across situations today where we say, oh, I should be doing this in this situation. I shouldn't be listening to gossip. I shouldn't be talking about somebody else. I shouldn't be um, giving support to somebody who is at odds with somebody else, but should give them the support to get back together. Lord, lead us today. Help us to see our faults in this area as we all have them. I pray that you would help us to be peacemakers for your name's sake. Thank you for listening to Come Magnify the Lord with Me podcast. Please join Becky Dameron each weekday for a study through the Bible from a woman's perspective. If you've enjoyed this podcast or have any questions, please reach out to Becky through Come Magnify the Lord with Me Facebook page. Until next time, God be with you and may He greatly bless you as you continue to grow through following His Word.